0: Okay, how many, how many of you managed to follow all of that nonsense all the way and still know that it was in the left cup? Nobody? Okay, one for good. All right. Now, here's the question. How many of you noticed the rubber duck? <laughs> all right, less than half of you noticed the rubber duck. Um, how many of you noticed the fifth hand? <laughs> all right. This was a... The video that I wanted to show you, you've probably already seen. Um, About 20 years ago, there was a study done with um, the invisible gorilla. And what they had, they had a video of... I'm sorry, I'm going to pull this up and we'll see. We'll see if we get anything out of that. Um, They had a video of a group of kids passing uh, a basketball. Kids in a white shirt, kids in a black shirt, passing a basketball back and forth, and you were supposed to count the number of times that the kids in the white shirts passed the basketball. And I think the number was like 33 times, went on for about a minute and a half. And so you count the number of times the kids in the white shirts passed the basketball, at least half of the people that watch that video the first time they watch it do not see the guy in a gorilla costume walk right through the middle of the kids, passing the basketball and then of the screen. Giant big six-foot gorilla guy misses him completely. It's a whole book written about it, called "The Invisible Gorilla." And it's, they, they, the authors of the book call it "The Illusion of Attention." So these are some of the everyday illusions that this book talks about. The illusion of attention is where we think we see more than we do, but we really only see the things that we are paying attention to or the things that we expect to find. We we think that that we pay really good attention to what's going on around us, but really we only notice the things, we tend to only notice the things that we pay attention to. Or the things that somebody gives us to see. Exactly. The things that we are are told to look for, the things that we are expecting to see. Another example of this is um, motorcycle and bicycle wrecks. Uh, Because what they found is that one of the reasons that motorcycles and cyclists tend to get hit by cars is that the people in the cars just don't see them. And it's not because they're in the blind spots, it's because they're not looking for them. They're used to, when, when you pull up to an intersection, you're used to looking for cars. Depending on where you live, you may be used to looking for pedestrians, so you know, okay, let's watch and see if there are any cars coming through this intersection. You are not necessarily, because you see them so rarely in Tennessee, uh, looking for the cyclists coming up beside you, or the motorcyclist coming towards you. They've actually found that per capita the number of wrecks involving cars and motorcycles or bicycles uh, or pedestrians goes down in areas where there are more pedestrians and more cyclists because people get trained to look for them. But if, if you're not used to looking for them, you just don't see them. So that's the illusion of attention. The illusion of memory is similar to that um, because we think we remember more and better than we do. Um, So here's here's another test if we can get this up. If this comes back up, I'm gonna show you a list of words. And I want you to take a few seconds and remember these words. Okay? So there's the illusion of memory there's the illusion of confidence. Um, think about the kind of doctor that you like to have. Would you rather have the doctor who hears your symptoms and goes, okay, I think I know what's. this is what's going on, this is how we're going to treat it, or would you rather have a doctor, when you describe what's wrong with you, say, I'm not sure what that is, let me go check my books. and disappears for a while and goes and looks it up and then comes back and says, okay, I think I figured it out. Most people would rather have the doctor that... You tell them what's going on. They tell you that they know what's happening. um, And it's that illusion of confidence. We equate confidence with expertise. Um, There's the illusion of knowledge where we tend to conflate knowing how to use something with knowing how it works. So we know how to ride a bicycle. But that doesn't mean we could explain to somebody else how the bicycle actually works. iPhones are a great example. I know how to use my iPhone. I know how to use the apps. I know how to, you know, lots of tips and tricks to get the most out of my... I could not begin to tell you how this thing actually works. I just know how to use it. And then there's the illusion of cause, where correlation does not necessarily indicate causation, but if things correlate often enough, we tend to act like they do, that because things happened at the same time, this must have been the cause. Um, one of the reasons for that is our sense of pattern recognition. We look for patterns in things to figure out how the world works, but patterns don't always mean that... Our, our recognizing what appears to be a pattern does not always mean that a pattern exists. Um, We also have a tendency to see the world through the lens of our expectation, talked about with the illusion of attention, Um, and we have a bias towards stories. So if we see what appears to be a pattern, we look for reasons for that pattern, we look for stories uh, that make that make sense. That's that's how we make sense of the world. Um, and then finally, uh, there's the illusion of potential, which is the belief that we have these vast, untapped resources of mental abilities that if we just knew how to focus them and how to harness them, <clears throat> that we'd be able to do way more than we ever imagined. You've heard the, the adage that we only use 10% of our brains. How many of you have heard that. How many of you have operated as if that were true? (laughs) It isn't. (laughs) Um, Another example of this is the entire Baby Einstein's product franchise, where there was a study that showed a correlation between uh, classical music and listening to classical music and some advanced mental activity. And so people grabbed on to the summary of that very first study and this whole classical music for babies movement was born as people tried to make their babies smarter by playing them Bach and Mozart and Beethoven all right yep so those were the words now been a lot of distractions but the words were up there for a long time let's see how many of them you remember Alright, Just somebody start telling me words that from the list. Mm -hmm. Bed. Bed. All right. Rest. Rest. Okay. Doze. What? Doze. Doze. Okay. Awake. 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 Slumber. Nine. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Peace. Is, is it back up there? You guys are doing better than I expected with this. Blanket. Blanket. Okay. Peace. Peace. Alright. Green. Tired. Yawn. Okay. We got yawn. Blanket. it. we got blanket. Drowsy? Drowsy? Okay. We had doze, We didn't have drowsy. We had we had does and we had snooze, but not drowsy. So we had two we had two Z's in there already. Snooze. That's snooze. Alright, so one of the, so we've, we've got 13 of 15, which is really good, um, would be exceptional if we were doing this individually. Could could any of you have given me all 13 of those 15? Okay. One of the things that tends to happen when you give this test to individuals um, in better settings than we have here, and I think I'm just going to turn this, I think I'm going to just shut that, because I think we're going to have to have it from this point. We can just look at the white ones. Um, Is The word dream tends to show up here when you ask people to remember the words. Um, let's see. What are the... Is a bed, rest, doze, awake, tired, dream, wake. We didn't good wake. We did awake. But awake and wake were both here. Um, and we did not do snore. So those are the only two that we forgot. But people tend to put words like dream in here. Um, and dream is not on the list, but the list is designed to create false memories. or I'm sorry, the, the test is designed to create false memories because all of these are kind of about sleeping and, and things that you would associate with dream. So you, you look at this and you put it into a grouping that makes some sense of it. All right. So how we remember things isn't just about how much we remember, it's about how we make sense of the things that we try to remember. So that's, dream makes sense within this framework of words, even though it wasn't one of the actual words. So as we were looking at the, well, we would have looked at the video of the test with the invisible gorilla walking through the room. Um, What I want to talk about today is Jesus as invisible gorilla. Because over and over in the Gospels, we see Jesus telling people or doing things that people don't expect him to do, being things that people do not expect him to be, and telling them that they have just missed the point of what he's about. And when we look for Jesus, we often don't see him, and that's something that if you you read Jesus through the lens of everybody around him being wrong about him, you will see that he kinda comes to expect that. Um, If you would, uh, somebody go to Luke 4 and read verses 16 through 30. This will be, I'm going to give you four examples of times that Jesus was an invisible gorilla. And this will be, this will be where we start. While you're doing that, I'm going to look up the next one. So we'll be ready. This would have been easier with a screen. Does anybody have it yet? 16? 16. 16, yeah, 16 through 30. When he came to
1: Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You
0: like that? I do. Keep going.
2: I asked somebody else can take over. Okay. <laughs> then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you do in the Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Urephah, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy, in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard it. Got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built. In order to throw him off the cliff, he walked right through the crowd and went on his path.
0: Okay, so there are two invisible gorillas in this story. Jesus gets up, he reads the scripture, everybody's amazed. They're watching the white kids in the white shirts pass the basketball. Then Jesus points out the invisible gorilla and says, we're not. We're not doing the signs here. This is not happening for you. Um, here's the invisible gorilla. They get furious and they try. They decide they're going to kill him. So they run him up to this point, and then all of a sudden he is literally apparently an invisible uh, because he walks away from all of this. So he is he is the invisible gorilla twice in this story. In Mark eight. Mark 8 is the story where he feeds the 4,000. And this is, I, I never read or never noticed, like, my invisible gorilla in this story, was what happens after he feeds the 4,000. Um, and so I'm gonna, we're going to skip, for the sake of time, um, that part of the story. But if you start Mark 8, starting with verse 14, they're done with the, the feeding The disciples have gathered up all the baskets of bread left over and then they forget to take them with them. So the disciples have forgotten to eat because they're so busy serving everybody else and passing around the food. They forgot to take the food with them. And so the disciples get done with the feeding of the 4,000 and they are hungry and they only have one loaf of bread to feed the 12 of them. And they get upset because they have forgotten the bread and don't have enough to eat. So the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. (laughs) He's saying this. So completely have missed the point. This whole chapter is an exercise in missing the point. Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear, and don't you remember? I mean, and so he's addressing the attention, the illusion of attention in their lives, the illusion of memory in their lives, because this has just happened. And now they're arguing over not having enough food. I mean, you just hear, you just... Since Jesus like beating his head against the side of the boat or wherever they are it 's like when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? twelve they replied, and when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? seven I mean you see them like hang dog, seven like do you still not understand? And this goes on, and immediately after that, he heals the blind men at Bethsaida. It's like the writer is saying, even a blind guy could see this better than the disciples have. It's like even the blind guy can see the gorilla walking through the room. And it continues from there, because then, it says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they replied, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others some of the one of the prophets. But what about you? He says, Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, You are the Messiah. Peter Peter at least knows what he's supposed to say. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about it. Which I'm I'm almost thinking at that point, it's like, I just, you guys are not the messengers (laughs) yet. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed at rise after three days. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Peter turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, you kind of have to appreciate that Peter has enough of a close personal relationship with Jesus that he can take Jesus aside and correct him. Um, I mean, you've got to admit, that takes some nerve. Um, But how many times do we do the same sorts of things when we decide Jesus is calling us to do something we really want to do? Jesus... My my readings in the Bible don't often show God or Jesus calling people to do the things they really want to do. The way, the way I read Jonah or Job, I mean, Moses, God calls people to do things that they really would rather not be doing. He's, he always plays against expectations. Um I had a somebody that I knew that worked with Belmont students years ago would counsel the the kids that came in wanting to be part of their music program and go into the Christian music industry. And he would talk about how these kids would all come to college because they felt God's calling on their life. He said, the amazing thing is all of these kids seem to think they're being called to be famous musicians for Jesus. And it never occurs to a one of them that they might be being called to make a fool of themselves in front of the entire world to make a larger point or to do something in their lives that God has for them. It's always, it's always what, what they kind of had in mind that they would like to do anyway. It's, it's one of the ways that we tend to recreate Jesus in our own image or miss the invisible gorilla as he walks through the room. And so... Peter is, and as soon as he puts Peter in his place, he doubles down because then he calls the crowd to him along with his disciples and says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And we've gone a very long way from the beginning of the chapter where people, hungry people, were getting fed. Um, another one: the road to Emmaus, Luke 24:13 through 35. And if somebody else would bring up uh, Matthew 25:31 through 46. All right, so what happens on the road to Emmaus? This is taking place after the crucifixion. Matthew 25? Uh, well, Luke 24 for first, and then we'll go to Matthew 25. Luke 24? 13 through
3: 35.
0: All right, I'll read it. All right.
3: Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Helipus, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word, indeed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we have hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They we went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. Came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, "How foolish you are! How slow to believe all of that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter the glory? And beginning with Moses and all the <coughs> prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself." As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, <coughs> and saying, "It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared, has appeared to Simon."
0: Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This the the, the story arc of this is exactly like the video that we saw with the rubber duck and the fifth hand, because these are people they are paying they're paying good attention. To what's going on around them, they, you know, they when, when Jesus asks them what happened, they give a pretty good account of what's been going on, and I think we give these folks uh, maybe less credit than they deserve because who is the last person that you expect to see on your way home from a funeral? <laughs> the guy you just buried. Yeah, you know, it just that's you you are not looking for the person that you just saw die they're not showing up and for them we we at least have a story narrative where that's happened a couple of times Lazarus Jesus so it's it's at least happened before they're going off probably you know a, a rumor that it might have happened with this one guy but they are certainly not expecting to see the guy they just left who was dead show up with them they're watching the basketballs being passed and so I mean you know, and so it's just it's like this invisible gorilla walks into the room spends a couple of miles walking and talking with you and then once you finally get and sit down for a meal then you finally notice oh, there's a guy in a gorilla costume with us. It, and it's, that's, that's, how, that's how it works. The, my favorite invisible gorilla story, because I think we tend to, we have an advantage that's also a bias when it comes to reading the story of Jesus. Because by the time we get old enough to really understand what's going on, we already know the ending of the story. And so we know, we know how it's going to turn out. We know where all of the dramatic plot twists are. We know the characters. We know, we, we know who we identify with and which ones we're supposed to root for and which ones are the bad guys. And the bias, though, comes in because we think that because we've seen the mistakes that they made, that we're not going to repeat those mistakes. And so we tend to we, we, we tend to think that we've got it better than them because oh, we saw the mistakes they made. We're not going to do that. But what we see over and over again with Jesus is that no matter how close you are, no matter if you were with Him in person or looking for Him before He came or after He came, you're going to miss him. You just are. And the way that we know that no matter who you are, you're going to miss him is in Matthew 25 when we talk about the sheep and the goats. Now look what happens in this. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Yes. Yeah. Now watch, watch for the invisible gorilla here and tell me where he is.
1: When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep at His right hand, and the goats at the left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you that are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you. And the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Okay.
0: And then he says the same thing to the goats.
1: Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them. Truly I tell you just as you did not do it to the, one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous
0: into eternal life. So where is, in, in, in this story, where is Jesus, the invisible gorilla? Come on, go with me. That's, that's, that's what the invisible gorilla looks like in this story. They're, they're the ones who are sick. They're the ones who are in prison. The, the, the invisible gorillas keep walking through the lives of these people. And it looks like both of them, from their response, both of them were looking for Jesus. And you know, we, we kind of know that the goats didn't see him, that, that, you know, that they missed Jesus walking through their lives. But what this suggests is that even the sheep were looking for Jesus to be a certain thing. And he wasn't. He wasn't the thing that they expected him to be. And the difference is their hearts were attuned to something that allowed them to do the to see the gorilla. They, they, they saw the gorilla suit. They probably didn't recognize who was in the gorilla suit, but they saw the gorilla suit. The goats, they saw. They, they didn't even see the guy in the gorilla suit walking through their lives. He was completely invisible to them. And that's how I, I have come to believe that it's not that we get everything wrong about Jesus, but we're getting something. We can count on getting something significantly wrong about Jesus because nobody that came into contact with Him got it right all the time. It was was a constant battle. and, And Peter's the best example of this because Peter, he'll get so close and then three verses later he's completely missed the point. He'll get so close, and then that night, he chucks it all in public. Um, and I think that we need to be, when, when we think we've got it all right about Jesus, there is an invisible gorilla walking right through the middle of the basketball game. Um, and I think we're about 1040, so this is probably a great place to break. I am sorry for all of the technical problems today. I hope that didn't mess things up too much. Thank you for letting us read. <laughs> I figured, you know, we've we've been talking about stuff that wasn't specifically scriptural related. Just... You know, the uh, your this wonderful team, by
1: the way. I think that helps explain a few verses later from like Mark, the transfiguration. That was literally God intervening
0: and in, in revealing the invisible world. You know, where you're going up the mountain, my guess is they're still arguing about the events of the, the day where Peter's called out. And Moses and Elijah appear, and Peter gets all put or about, we need to do something about this. And God Himself says, Here's the invisible gorilla, just, just blows it all away, but it, it, the invisible gorilla, is literally, you by oh
3: God. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, this, I think this dovetails real well with what Josh was talking about today. Um, because, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that it's, you know, we get caught up in our own lives and we get caught up in, in, uh, in what we're doing all the time. And, uh, and what's important and what's seemingly important um, when you know we need to be looking elsewhere like the folks that the interviews are looking elsewhere and, and, and you know this place kind of provides an opportunity to
0: do exactly that yeah. particularly the last year one of, one of my favorite scriptures that i've run into and i've seen it but it never it never sunk in It's not a commandment, but it kind of reads like the sort of things that we interpret as biblical commandments, where Jesus literally says, if if a beggar asks you for money, give it to him. And I just think, you know, walking through downtown, you can't walk through downtown Nashville at length anymore without somebody coming up to you and asking you for money. And, you know, my default setting for the longest time has been. Nope, we're not. We're ignoring them. We're walking on. We're not making eye contact. And, you know, but yet we have the words in red that say, when that happens to you, give them some money. And boy, we go to lots of trouble in our heads to figure out reasons that we shouldn't be doing that. And I can come up with lots of great ones, but it's, Right there. working downtown for years and years, like two decades,
1: uh, if I went into work and I wasn't wearing a uh, coat and tie and I had a baseball cap on, I could walk up next to somebody that I knew and ask them for money, <laughs> and they couldn't see me! <laughs> they couldn't see me! They, they, yeah. they, they saw what they thought they yeah. would see. They didn't, exactly. they
0: didn't see the person they knew.
3: One parallel, and I don't. This isn't really slick in my mind, but when you were talking about people riding bikes, I've ridden bikes in my past, and people get angry when they see people on bikes too, because you know they think, well, this is this is my road, or it's I didn't see you and you scared me. I think yeah. that's most of the time what it is. Kind of the way we treat know, gay people, black people. I mean, there's some people that Yeah, but I think that happens with God. I mean, you brought up Jonah. I mean, Jonah was upset with God. Putting this on, yeah, and uh, I think I think that happens a lot uh, just in our daily lives, and
0: we don't and we recognize what it is. Yeah, when, when 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 the real world intrudes on what we believe the real world to be, it, it, that's that is a very typical reaction, and you see that you can see that happening all of the time throughout, especially these days, what's going on in society when when. When what you weren't looking for shows up and you can't ignore it anymore, it it makes people mad. So, thank you all. Thank Thank you.